All right, let's talk a bit. Um, <clears throat> I, uh, I feel that I was hijacked again by God today. I, uh, <clears throat> I was originally this week going to talk to you about faith, how which is important, and I need to talk about it. And uh, then I felt I was going to talk to you about, about giving, not just financial, but about the importance of, of giving because... Um, <clears throat> Jesus said, if you give, you receive. And uh, talk a little bit about how foolish a farmer would be to expect a harvest if that farmer is not prepared to plant anything. Which Jesus used those illustrations to help us learn about not just giving money, but giving of ourselves and giving ourselves. Um, but then as I was just um, laid thinking today, I like to do that. I, have, I call it the twilight zone. I'll sometimes lay down and I'm kind of thinking, but I'm in between here and somewhere. Um, <clears throat> I uh, kind of came alert from that with a completely different direction that I really felt I need to bring to you. And that's important because <clears throat> um, it's good to be reminded that if we're going to be anything, we have to be a a, a mouthpiece for what God is wanting to say, not just the voice of the ideas that we're thinking of or the concepts that we have, we have developed. And um, one thing I want to say ahead of that is, is that transitions are difficult. <clears throat> That's why mostly they're avoided. Mostly people stay the same, families stay the same, churches stay the same because... Transitions are difficult and costly, and yet throughout the scriptures, there is a process of recording for us transitions and what happens in those transitions. For example, right way back in the book of Genesis, when it says, the Lord had said to Abraham, leave your country, your people, your father's house, go to a land that I will show you. That's a transition. Um, What was the expectation that he would find a land that God would show him where was it he didn't know but he got up and believed what was the cost his his country his family his people now we over we read over stuff like that and we missed the bit that in order to get there country people family had to be what he was willing to sacrifice so it's not easy is it and uh, as you begin to go through the narrative of scripture you encounter things like this group of people called the children of israel who had been in a place of bondage, okay, like we all get in life, they were stuck, it was hard, things weren't working, they were confined, there was no progress, they were being dominated, ruled and controlled, but God called them out of that place, but in order for them to leave that place, it would take faith to cross a desert, and the story says that in the desert, most of those who who were challenged to leave the place of confinement actually never made it any further than the desert. They all died there, never managed to make a transition in their heads and in their hearts to move in. So, so the cost was, the cost was all the generation of people who were older than 20 when they left Egypt. So over 40 years, that whole generation died in the desert. Now, when we look at those things in the Bible, we read them and we are amazed at them. And even Jesus, when you look at how he came on the scene, he preached his message, he healed people, lots of people gathered around him. And then he had to decide he was going to the cross. And that was the idea that the crowd didn't then like because they wanted him to be something else and do something else 
So he finished up with, with almost nobody there when he gave his life at the cross. And so throughout the history of the Bible and throughout the history of the church, there have been times where transitions had to be made and where a price has to be paid with the transition, which can be the very thing that stops you from making the transition from where you were to where you need to be. Um, I don't need to tell you that there has been a cost in transition for, for this house, but but it's not necessarily a bad cost, nor does that cost necessarily reflect on the fact that we are talking about bad people. It just means that sometimes you can't take with you to where you're going who you had with you where you were. So when God said to Abraham, leave your country, your people, your father's house, God wasn't saying, I don't like your people, I don't like your country, and I don't like your father. He was simply saying, in order to move from here to there, you might not be able to take everybody with you who was important there to be important here. Now that's where faith comes in, and that's where I fear that we become a faithless people who actually don't challenge ourselves with anything that requires a level of faith and acceptance of the word of God beyond what we can see and figure. So we begin to reason it out and say, if this is happening, that must be that. Or if we're not getting that, that must be that. And faith disappears. And yet the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. So um, I am very challenged to help with the other guys, but particularly take some weight on myself to try and nurture you and school you through what is a transition. Uh, because we will fill first the downstairs of this again, okay? How many of you believe that? I, I liked what the guys sang tonight, it really touched my heart, because it's right where I am in God. Your latter will be greater than your past. You will be blessed more than you can ask, no matter, or despite all that has been done, so there is a despite, the best is yet to come. So you can't have a latter greater than your past unless you've got issues about your past. So we can sing songs like that, but the qualification for the latter being better is that you recognize your past is not as good as it could have been. And of course, it follows it by saying all things are possible. That's the statement of faith from the Gospels that says all things are possible to him who believes. So to enter into that realm of making the impossible possible, there has to be faith that rises in our hearts. Now, the problem is circumstance drains us of faith, okay? And sight drains us of faith. So we have to look to Jesus, it says in the book of Hebrews, who is the author and perfecter of faith, who despising the shame, went to the cross, rose on the other side, and created something amazing from what was death on this side of the cross. So, so I'm calling you with us on that journey. I'm calling you to be people of faith. You will have to believe to get there. If you don't believe, you won't make it. That's why Abraham had to believe God, but that became his righteousness, and that righteousness pushed him on to become something. So, so that, that's, that's where we are in the transition. But what I wanted to talk about tonight, just to help you with that, is, is what I call the weird and the wonderful. Because we can so easily get caught up in a, in a mindset that believes that if we have the right information, that we will have transformation. When actually transformation doesn't come from the right information, right? Transformation comes from 
what the Bible calls a work of the Spirit. You can have all the information because in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul says if you have all wisdom and all knowledge and can speak every language that there is, spiritual and natural, but love is not working and God is not present, then you will never break through. So I'm thankful for all the insight we are being given, some from me, some from the other guys who speak here, that are giving us an opportunity to, to make some sense of our framework of belief at the moment. And I hope that is challenging. If we just come into church and say, oh, that's, you've just told me all that I believe, then we probably wasted our time. Because we could sit at home and confirm ourselves in that. So, so the stretching is good, the challenge is good. But beyond that, if we miss the greater thing, which is a realm and a dimension I'm going to talk about tonight, then, then all we become is people full of information. So... So I want to talk to you a little bit tonight just about the realm of spirit, the dimension of spirit. One of the wonderful things about being alive in a technological age is that, is that the concept of spirit should not be too difficult for us to grasp. For example, I'm speaking to you over the PA system, but I have no wires going anywhere. I have this little box here, and I have a microphone here, and yet the sound from my voice is going into a digital desk at the back and it's going from that desk to the speakers and you hear me, but I'm not actually connected to any of it physically. But invisibly, without you being able to see it, the sound from this is going here, which is an antenna, and it's going from there to the back and then it's going from the back to the speakers. There's probably no one in here tonight without a mobile phone. And yet, what's your mobile phone connected to? How come you can hear somebody who you can't see and you're not plugged into anything to make that work? We thought, we thought Alexander Bell and, and the, those other guys and the telephone was amazing that you could talk down a wire. Now we talk with no wires. Now we talk through a little thing that not only can we talk to one another, but you can download a movie. Where the heck does it come from? Where is it? How does it get there? Why can't you see the movie going through the air and going into your phone? How the dickens does it manage to do that? You know, we're familiar with concepts like Wi-Fi where uh, we come in and we look for the nearest Wi-Fi and we put our password in and then suddenly we're connected and, and, and we can run our laptop or run our tablet computer all just without any sense of wires or anything. We, 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 we're familiar with the World Wide Web where we can just get all kinds of information at our fingertips, that's, that's the kind of information that we would have had to search through a library of books, but there is no library and there are no books, but we still have that same information that we can access and we can actually choose the information that we want to access on a search and, and there it is right before us. We'll all go home tonight probably and watch something on the, on the TV. Maybe Britain's Got Talent. I don't know, I quite like to watch that. I think it's good, this series. But if you're on a digital television, you've just got your television hooked up to a wire that's on top of your house. But the acts that will perform, you're not going to see the acts fly through the air in York, squeeze themselves into your aerial, and appear inside your little box, which is now thin. 
you're just not going to see it. Or you might have a satellite dish on the end of your house that's actually receiving from a satellite in space information that has been broadcast to a satellite in space. So it's going outside of the Earth's atmosphere, hitting something out there, coming back to you, and you watch it in full technicolor on your TV. The inaudible becomes audible. The invisible becomes visible. Uh, information becomes accessible without books. Knowledge is available 24-7, available 365 days a year. But we forget the fact you can't see where it's coming from, you can't see how it's getting to where it goes, but it's there. And so I propose to you that there is a dimension in life that's a very real dimension. It's called the dimension of spirit. It's a dimension that we live in that is all around us, but we don't see it and we're no more aware of it than we are of radio waves or, or satellite broadcasts or TV broadcasts. We can't see it. You can't look in the air and watch it flying backwards and forwards. But I guarantee you that there is things going on in that realm, just like for your TV, your mobile phone, your Wi-Fi, your satellite, just as real and just as important that if you connect with it, you will start to hear stuff that you couldn't hear and you'll start to see stuff that without that connection you could not see. See? The stuff that we have in our homes and here in our phones and people who are, who are um, tweeting stuff from here, it only works if you're connected or tuned in to where it comes from or through. And uh, I have a, a personal fear because I, I have derided myself a little bit on this that, that sometimes we think that, that information alone can solve our problems or philosophy alone can, can change our lives. When, uh, and because of that, we don't actually take the time to connect and become tuned into this dimension of spirit. Now, God, who I believe is real, moves in the dimension of spirit. We receive it in the dimension of this natural world. Now, for some who get worried about uh, whether this is and I'll use the phrase and explain it, dualistic in nature. And by that I mean that the Greeks used to say that the spirit and the flesh are two different things. I don't believe that. I think that we are a whole person, but I think that we're a whole person, spirit, soul, and body. Whatever you make of that, whatever the mysteries of that are, there are complexities to the human existence that cannot be explained simply by touch-feel. Okay? I've said this to you before, how many times have you ever walked into a room and said, wasn't the atmosphere awful? What do you mean? How can atmosphere be awful? Atmosphere's simply air, oxygen, and all its constituent parts. How can an atmosphere feel awful or heavy? And yet it does, doesn't it? Why is that? Because it's a dimension, it's a reality. It's the dimension of spirit. You can tell when you go into a, a, a group of people if they've been fighting. Why? You feel it. How do you sense it? Because something beyond the natural, just like the broadcast to your TV or your radio or this microphone, something's going on that you can't see and you can't hear until you connect with that and suddenly you're aware of it. This is the dimension of spirit. And if we lose that, it is to our great loss because 
He would be like, it would be like saying, I, I want to go on the internet, but I don't want to have a Wi-Fi router. Would be like saying, I want to find out information without Google or Yahoo or any of the search engines. It would be like saying, I want to have a mobile phone, but I don't want to have a contract with a mobile phone operator. You, you've got all the tools that will work and do what they're supposed to do, but without the appreciation that there has to be a connection with something you cannot see, and a willingness to let that invade your life, you will not experience the wonder of those technologies. And so, throughout Scripture, God has talked to people. God has shown people things. And God is still talking to people and God is still showing people things. And sometimes the reason we don't have the answers that we are looking for and the revelation we need is because just like with the phone or the computer or the Wi-Fi is that we are not connected and we are not tuned in. There is, um, there is a discipline within the Christian community at large practiced more by Catholics than, than Protestants, which is called, um, I'm looking for the word now, con con contemplative, contemplative spirituality. What it really means is that they appreciate that, that it's good to take time to connect and tune in to something that's beyond ourselves, which in this situation would be God himself, and to listen to what is actually going on that is not physically viewable and not audibly hearable. And so, before these technologies, you know, um, it, if you'd have suggested that, the truth is that, that, that there was stuff floating around that you could hear or, or see, provided you were connected or tuned in, the truth is you could get in really big trouble or it would make you rich, one or the other. You would either be hidden and protected or you would be burned alive for being a witch. But the truth is throughout history, it's come up in time, time, time again, this, this dimension of spirit and hearing what cannot audibly be heard, seeing what cannot visibly be seen. Now the Bible is peppered with stories conveying these kinds of experiences which I believe are very real and very accessible. If knowing God is possible then surely hearing his, God, his voice must be inevitable. And I would hate to think that your experience of God would be so limited that you would somehow think you could, it's possible to know God but never hear his voice. Now I'm going to talk about how we hear his voice in, in a little moment, but I think it's inevitable if we're tuned in and if we're listening. The deal is Joel could turn off his mobile phone right now, but when he turns off his phone, he doesn't turn off everything that's coming to the phone or can be sent from the phone. He just turns off his phone. So when you switch off to this dimension, you're not turning off all that is happening in the realm of the spirit and all that God is saying and doing. You're simply turning off your ability to hear that and receive that. And so I'm wanting to at least guide us along in the process of our understanding because we've tackled a lot of quite significant doctrinal belief truths that in all of this we must not lose our connection and understanding of the importance of the Spirit of God and of our spirit and of feeling and experiencing and knowing the God who we talk about and can put some substance to. 
Because if this following Jesus and finding God as Father thing is only a bunch of information leading to behavior modification, it's nothing more than an idea or a philosophy. There are reasons that what we are in is called a faith, okay? You thought about that. There are reasons why it's called the Christian faith. Now, you know my whinges and moans and complaints about the representations of that. You know, I think a lot of people's expression of the Christian faith really suggests that God lost and Jesus was his, his you know, kind of Custer's uh, last stand effort to make bad out of God. I don't believe that. I believe in the power of the gospel. I think it's wonderful and beyond imagination. But it's called a faith for a reason because we are actually not into behavior modification. We're into change of heart. We're into a relationship that changes hearts, which is a relationship with the Father. So I believe there is at least a fourth dimension in in understanding life in the universe, and the Bible points to it as spirit. Now, throughout my life, I've experienced seeing the unseen and knowing the unknown. Um, One of the things I have chided myself with is when you lose confidence... um, it stunts your progress. It, it, it makes you hold back and resist because none of us like pain and often when we encounter pain in life, it dulls out the other things that we should be pursuing. So we actually become focused on the pain because we're trying to deal with the pain. And in trying to deal with the pain, we intensify the problem because then we become insecure and we become obsessive about resolving the pain. And the very things that we should have moved forward with, which are what God is speaking and putting into our lives, we become deaf to, we don't hear his voice. It's like one, one prophet said, the heavens have become like brass. What he meant by that was it seems as though I can't get through to God and God's not getting through to me. When the issue was this, this business of being tuned in and accessible to, to what, was, what was coming through. So, so I've got a little Bible story I just, that I believe is absolutely true that I just want to briefly share with you and then I want to say a couple of things beyond that. I'm, I'm going to read it to you because I think it's a great little story and it will do it justice, okay? So it's, it's in the book of two kings in the Old Testament, chapter 6, verse 8. It says, Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. And after conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God, this was Elijah the prophet, sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place because the Arabians are going down there. In other words, he saw what couldn't be seen and heard what couldn't be heard and told the king, hey, I wouldn't go down there if I was you. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. (coughs) Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. So Elisha's party to information that you could not know in the natural and you could not see if you were looking. So this enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me which one of us is on the side of the king of Israel. Or in other words, his thought was there must be a spy giving him that information because it's so accurate. And they said, none of us, my lord, the king. Uh, But Elisha the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. So in this dimension, Elisha was party to information that you could not know by any natural means whatsoever, 
But the impartation of that information was always giving you the upper hand on the issues of life. How many of you would like to live there? So verse 13, go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back, he is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there, and they went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, so this is the servant of Elisha, the prophet, who knows everything the king's doing, um, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. He's terrified. Uh, but Elisha said to him, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, that seemed like a really, really stupid thing to say. Just like some of you might, in here, in our process of transition, look at me and think, that's a stupid thing to say. You know, you're talking about filling at least the downs. That's a stupid thing to say. That's, that's what the servant said to Elisha. But this is, Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, open his eyes so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes. And in that moment, he saw what could not be seen and heard what could not be heard. He looked and saw that the hills were full of horses and around Elisha there were chariots of fire. And so as the enemy came down towards him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike these people with blindness. Now he wasn't like, ah, oh, make them blind, curse them. It was actually an act of grace, because listen to this, I love this. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked, and Elisha told them, this is not the road, this is not the city, follow me, I'll lead you to the man you're looking for. So he leads all these people down to the city of Samaria, and when they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men. And this great power, just a great, you know, that impartation in life that that can just change a circumstance and change a situation when you're living in this dimension... And the king of Israel saw them and said, Elisha, shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? I love this. He said, no, don't kill them, he answered, dummy. Would you kill men you have captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. In other words, I just wanted to show them the strength and the power that is in the God that I believe in so that they can go home and consider that. I love it. This, this is grace before we even knew what the word grace was. So he prepared a great feast for them. And after they'd finished eating and drinking, he sent them away, and they returned to their master. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. Why? Because they had had an encounter with the God of Elisha, with this dimension of spirit, and said, do you know what? We're not going to fight it. Probably we ought to join it. So... When I'm, when I'm done tonight, I'm going to pray a prayer that you may want to be part of, that just as sure as, as Elijah, Elisha said, God, open this servant's eyes so that he may see. I want to pray that prayer at the end because some of you need to see something that you're not seeing and you need to hear something that you're not hearing and that will make the difference in where you are at the moment. So I just wanted to share a couple of personal things. Some of you have heard me talk about some of these things before, but they are things that are important because I could stand here and say this has happened to me but not tell you how or when or why. This is just a very small few uh, examples and like I say I would like this to have happened more and I would like it to happen more and uh, I am believing God to recover confidence that had been lost in some situations because this is what we need where God is leading us, okay? 
But I, I remember one, one morning I, um, I was laid in bed. Chris had got up. I, I stayed in bed. I was still asleep. And uh, do you have that picture there, Robert? When, while I was asleep, I, uh, I found myself with Connie. We were in a little side street, and we walked out of the side street, and uh, I saw a building that was just weird um, because it looked like something that was a cross between um, um, Lord of the Rings and, uh, and, and The Matrix. It was like just, this, this was just strange. But in my dream, we, we, Connie and I came out of this street, we walked up to the building, and, and we walked inside the building, and there were, eight, there were 12 towers. But, th- but when we walked in, what was interesting is there was no roof. You could look straight out of the roof. And the building was very obviously unfinished, and yet as we walked around the building, I could see that it had different faces on the building, that none of it was the same. It was all different. And um, I had no idea what this was. I woke up from the dream. I I went into the kitchen. I put on the TV. There was a travel show on the TV. I looked at the TV, and right on the TV was a travel show that was talking about this very thing that I had just seen in my dream just minutes before, which I then found out was the Sagrada Familia in Barcelona, Spain. And this building, as you see, has different facets. It It has 12 towers representing the 12 apostles. It has different faces on all four sides of it. This is the more gothic creation story. There is a modern end at the other end. This is the modern side at the far end that has in much more modern art the crucifixion story. But all of this was, was, was shown to me. And then do you wonder why God put in my heart and Chris's heart that we were to say that this house was unconventional by design? Because this was the model that God was giving us. And that phrase comes from this model that says when Anthony Gaudi saw this image, he was trying to put God's word in stone to represent every aspect of who he was, but knew that it would be weird and difficult. And of course, the fact is it, was, it is unfinished and it is still unfinished. And in my view, it should never be finished because the work of this unconventional grace of God should never be finished. But it looks like four different cathedrals, whichever side you come at it from. That's how God spoke to us about unconventional by design. It's still an image that is ingrained in my spirit because we are trying to raise those different aspects of a revelation of who God is for people's sake that is not finished and that you can participate on the finishing, the building, the making of that building. That happened to me. Some years ago, um, I, I heard God speak very clearly. This is how clear it was. I was sat at that time I used to lead worship. I was sat at the keyboard in the church building that we had before this and I heard God speak to me as clear as day. He said, go to a town called Scotts Bluff in Nebraska. Go when you're 30 years of age to put all the information together. He told us what the building would look like that we would be in. He told me that I would be pastoring a church there within six weeks of arriving when I didn't know anybody and nobody knew us. Uh, He told us that there would be a lady in there, a large, tall, over six foot lady with ginger hair, who there was a problem because she had a long time been troubled and involved very heavily in witchcraft and was married to a high priest of a witch's coven. He showed us there were two guys that we would meet. One had very smart hair and was very finely groomed and uh, he seemed like a great guy. The other one was, was very loud, very boisterous, short and, and chubby. And um, God spoke to us and said, here's the deal. These two men will come to support you, but one is untrustworthy. The short one is untrustworthy. The other guy will give his life for you. And we had all these things going on. Every single detail 
of what was told us was exactly and totally correct and can be verified and can be proved that every detail was correct. Now you say, but what was all that about? Because God at that time was asking if I'd be prepared to trust what he said. If when I got the call on the mobile phone, if when the information came in over my internet, whether I would be willing to do what God said to do, trusting his voice, and it was also a call to leave my father's house because I pastor the church now that I was raised in. I've been here for 50, 54 years almost, and, and you know that in itself is unusual, but the truth is we had to have some way of breaking some ties to our past, and that was part of those breaking those ties that God led us in, in schooling us in, in the reliability of what he had to say. I had another instance sometime after that where... I really felt that that God spoke to me and said, there's someone you need to see in St. Louis, Missouri. Now that's wonderful. That's like saying, in that haystack there is a needle, go find it, okay? And I'm not gonna tell you where the needle is, but go find it. So I found myself in St. Louis. You know, that's why I said this is weird and wonderful. Some of you think this is weird. Some of you think this is wonderful. Well, it's both, it's both. And when you really get into understanding God in the world and his release of who he is and the spirit, it is both weird and wonderful, okay? Just like the internet, weird and wonderful. And so I find myself driving around all day. I was about the end of my tether, which I don't know why God does that. Sometimes I think it's good because when we come to the end of ourselves, somehow God finds a real way to to start, and maybe for some of you tonight, that's the whole issue. You won't come to the end of yourself. You're so full of yourself that we can't find the end of you, and if we can't find the end of you, usually we can't find the start of God, because we have to come to an end before he can start. Otherwise, our rationality and our reason and our thinking can get in the way of the power of what it is that we want to do. So I'm about to head back to the hotel. It's, 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 about, um, it's about seven in the evening. And I suddenly hear this voice say to me, turn off here. Now, this was like the road to nowhere. Um, and, and when I got on it, I thought, this is definitely the road to nowhere. So I drove down this road a couple of miles and over some railway tracks. And, and then as I was going down, there was a bend at the end. I saw, I, saw a, <coughs> I saw a church on the right. And I really felt God said to me, this is the place you need to go. Well, it happened to be the kind of church that I had belonged to. Um, and I thought, no, this is, this is just, it's my own mind thinking, go there, because I'm trying to make sense of all this. So I drove past, I'll be honest, I drove past. I thought, no, that's, that must be me. Uh, and the further I went, the less there was, and I turned around, and of course, when you get back, you know, there's that little nudge that says, I told you, this is the place. I walked into the place. Um, cut a long story short, uh, I didn't tell anybody really who I was or why I was there. Um, but um, somebody came up and said, okay, you know, I need to come with chat. And I said, okay, I'm just, I'm just a, you know, I'm a pastor from England and I'm just visiting. It was a Wednesday night, there was a service on. So I say it was about 7.30. So unbeknown to me, we get into it and then, then the, the, the pastor of that church says to me, oh, I've got a guy from England here and would you come up and greet the people? So I go up to greet the people. As Soon as I open my mouth, he sits back like this. And, um, and he says, I know who you are. So he said, I need to talk to you after in my office. So I, you know, wax lyrical for five minutes and then 
sit down. Afterwards, I go talk to him in, in the office. He says, I know who you are. I said, you're Anthony Chapman, aren't you? I said, yeah. I said, how do you know? He said, well, the weirdest thing happened, he said. Weirdest thing last week, he said. Um, he said, a guy called me on the phone. I said, I had no idea how he got my number, where he knows me from, I have no idea. But he gets on the phone and he talks to me for 20 minutes about this guy called Anthony Chapman from England who's been in Scottsbluff, Nebraska, who's gone home. And then he said, just out of the blue, he said, are you interested in coming and trying out to be the new pastor? It's like... I never said I was leaving the thinking or anything. He said, so I know who you are. And he said, I, I want to know why you're here. So I said, okay, I'll tell you why I'm here. And, and I felt God had spoke to me about this man. So I said, here's what I believe about your life. So I said, here's what I think you need to know. He burst into tears and uh, he opened his drawer. He pulled out a, um, a piece of notepaper, pulled out of a, a notepad. He pushed it across the desk to me and said, there, read that. When I read this, paper, it was basically everything that I've just said to this man about what he was feeling and where he was and what was going on in his life and what God was calling him to do and what God was speaking. See, so you say, well, you know, couldn't that have happened to somebody in St. Louis, somebody much closer? Yes, it, it could absolutely have, but the lesson in that was that God can pick you out in a crowd and can direct somebody to you from all the way across the world to show you that you're important and that you matter and to confirm that what he is saying here is saying there as well and that it's all part of one big thing because you have not been forgotten and your dreams have not been lost and God has to show some of us how much he's interested in us by saying I'll bring somebody from there to here just to let you know what I think of you. This man was astounded. We also had another little incident there that I told him I wanted to pray in the church and he told me how they'd had some massive issues and I won't go into it to, today, but massive issues of a conflict between them and a witch's coven and all kinds of weird stuff going on in the church and strange things and things flying around and all that. And I said, look, I had to go. So all, all that was, was there, but just to show the importance of this man and that God could pick him out. And of course, also to speak to my heart in a crowded and complicated world. Now, bring you up to date. I have been very conscious. Many things have happened, but I also know that, that um, sometimes that voice can be drowned out. How many of you know there's a lot of noise in our lives? And uh, when we face difficulty and hardship and challenge and heartbreak and loss, um, there's so much background noise created from all that stuff that, that sometimes we can't hear anything but noise. And uh, it's not that there is necessarily another voice that we hear clearly. Sometimes we just can't hear any voice, can we? Sometimes it's like it's just noise. It's just there and I can't hear anything and I can't get any understanding. That's why I said about the contemplatives that they deliberately make the, the effort to say, I'm going to make a time and a moment where I'm going to shut out that noise and I'm going to listen because going through the atmosphere is the spirit of God and the voice of God and God's answers for my life and God's word for my life. You can't argue your way out of your problem. What you can receive is a revelation from God and in one moment, transformation will come to your heart first. And the truth is when our own hearts are transformed, whether the situation changes or not, actually you lose interest in the situation changing because your own heart has been transformed. When you hear God, your own heart is transformed. 
And that allowed guys like Caleb and Joshua in that journey of the children of Israel to endure for 40 years for the promise because they knew that it was coming. Why? Because your latter will be greater than your past. You'll be blessed more than you can ask despite all that has been done. The best is yet to come. Your latter will be greater than your past because all things are possible. So I I know that God is doing something. I want to say this to encourage you the people in the house, I know some of you guests here, but, but you get the benefit of this. And if you want to be part of us, we'd love you to be part of us. But God is doing something. And I've been so aware of, of, of the voice of God recently speaking. And which is why faith has to come alongside that and say, Do you know what? God is doing something here. He's doing something with us. He's doing something with you. So let me, let me just give you just a little short summary on that. And then I'll shut up, I promise, and sit down. But I, I've been sensing in my heart that God, God is about to do something wonderful. I've also been sensing that God is calling me on to something further. That doesn't necessarily mean, again, it depends how you're wired or Anne's thinking of leaving. No, I didn't say that. It's just calling on to something further, something beyond, um, which may involve us reaching some other areas, but, but together. And uh, I also have to be sensitive to what is God telling me so I was saying, God, I'm, I'm pretty burned out with, with what I call ambiguous prophecy. You know, people who say to you, oh, Joel, yeah, the Lord loves you and he has a plan for your life. Oh, give me a break, for goodness sake. It's true, but it's like, that. you know, you don't really need, you know, lightning bolts from heaven to show any, anybody can say that stuff. It's true. So I'm, I've, I've had it up to here with that kind of stuff. And it's okay and it's a good learning process. But it's like, you know, it, it doesn't do it for me. And at the end of the day, it probably doesn't do it for you if we're honest. So the problem is when you know quite a bit and you've learned stuff, it's like, okay, so I can convince myself that I've made stuff up or that, you know, this means that. And of course, I'm a preacher, so I'm good at that. So, so I said, God, if, if you're speaking to me and you want to speak, you're going to have to do stuff now at 59 years of age with all that I've been through. You're going to have to do something ridiculous. You're going to have to do stuff that is just couldn't be manufactured in any way and couldn't be mistaken for being weird. Okay. So I'm walking the dog and I said, okay, God, how about... I think I've seen three people who I went to school with. I left school at 16. I'm 59. I think I've seen three people in all of the time from then till now. Uh, so I'm saying, okay, here would be a good thing, Lord. What if I actually bumped into somebody who I went to school with at Burn Home? And then I'm wrestling with myself saying, oh, you're being stupid now because you're like, you know, some of you will understand this. You're just putting out fleeces. You're not really believing God. You're asking God to prove himself. And I'm like, God, I'm really not asking you to prove yourself. I trust you. I just don't trust me. So sometimes we need these things because we don't trust us. Okay? So I said, I need this because I don't trust me. And then I'm going through, I'm arguing with myself and arguing with God. And I got home from the walk. And I got home from the next day. And then I went walking the dog the next day. And I said, listen, God. I said, I'm really sorry. You know, I... I don't mean to be a pain, and I think I'm probably being stupid. I mean, I should just really trust you and not be asking you to do weird stuff to prove yourself to me, right? I'm on a corner of a street, okay? Immediately that moment, round the corner, comes a boy who I was at Burnham with, 
who left at the same time as me when I was 16, because I'm thinking, do you know what? I probably wouldn't recognize most of them. This boy was had an unrecognizable unre- un- face, an unforgettable face, <laughs> and looks the same now as he did the day that we left school. Philip Wiseman was his name. Walked round the corner, and I'm thinking, well, I've just said I don't need this. But I think that was also part of the journey, you see, because... This is not a deal about trying to manipulate God to say stuff you want. This, this has got to come from a genuine heart that says, God, I, I just need to know your presence and know that you're speaking. And so there's, there's this guy right in the time I said that. So I'm, I'm going home thinking, man, that was weird. I've not seen this guy all that time. Here I am face to face. Just at the moment I said, you don't have to prove anything to me, God. I get home, I walk in the house, I put on the TV. The first words I hear on the TV is about these Russian fishermen who are stuck in the, whatever sea it is, the Black Sea, the Bering Sea, I don't know, whatever it was, it's way up north somewhere. And here's the words I hear when I walk in. If these men are to have any hope of being saved, they are eight hours from the nearest port and without an icebreaker, they will never make it home. Now, to some of you, that means nothing. But to me, you see, I've been told for most of my ministry life by people who've never known me, here's what I see God has said about you. You're an icebreaker. You've come to break the ice to make a place for others to go. So here I am. The first words I hear is, these men will not make it home. They will not be saved unless an icebreaker comes to get them. I'm thinking, okay, we're on here. This is pretty weird, but there you go. It's, it's, it's on. So then what happens... Um, to finish that off, is that um, we then have the movie night the other, the other night in here, and we're watching The 100 Foot Journey, which is a wonderful film. And I'm, I'm sat in here thinking, okay, God, uh, I, I know I might be a pain, but I'm getting my confidence back, but I need more weird stuff that I couldn't manufacture. As I'm saying that, I'm sat back there where, where Angus and Kath are, And um, the lady on the film, which is about two restaurants, sounds a boring film, doesn't it? It's a film about two restaurants. It's a great film. She's on the phone waiting to see if she's been awarded a second Michelin star, which, of course, is the great commendation of, you know, of of recognition. It's a the Michelin star is a recognition of who you are. And as I'm sat there. You know, I've just, I've just said this to God, and as, as, as I, my attention comes immediately back to the screen, and she, she's on the thing, and she just puts the phone down, and she says, um, it's, been, it's been 30 years since we got our first star, and now they're awarding us our second one. Now, see, what makes sense of that is that when we did that thing in Scott's Bluff, which is the biggest thing we ever did in our life, moving... It's 30 years ago next year. And I've been knowing that God's brewing something and fixing something for us as a house and for our outreach that those things might not mean a lot to you, but in that moment, I mean, tears were rolling down my cheek because it was like God speaking to me from the film saying, you got your first Michelin star 30 years ago. It's taken 30 years to be ready to get the next Michelin star, if you know what I mean. Does that make sense? So... It didn't stop there because then I'm saying, okay, God, I'm still, uh, just keep doing this weird stuff because I think, I think it's probably you. So I'm, I, I have on my mind this song, okay? There was a, there was a, 
a singer called Junior back in the 80s, at the time of David Grant, for any of you that go back there. He had like one hit, you know, it was, it was one of those deals. And, and the hit was, the hit was uh, Mama She Said, okay? And he did it in a gruff voice, the mama was in a gruff voice. So, I mean, it was like, it was a one-time hit. I'm sat in the car, and all that's going through my head is, do you remember Junior and that one hit, Mama She Said, okay? Yeah, I do. And then I listen to the radio. I've got Radio 2 on, because I'm older now. I've got Radio 2 on. <laughs> I've got Radio 2 on. And I suddenly tune in, and guess what? Guess what's on the radio? That very—I have never heard it in my life since the 80s. Ever heard anybody talk about it, mention it, play it? But right as it's in my heart, see, that's why I say it's a bit weird. But what is it? Because it's God using language that speaks to us at the time to say, I'm here, I've sought you out, I've found you. I'll even get a Radio 1 DJ to put this, put this track on when you're in the car thinking about this track because I put the thought in your mind so that you'll know I'm interested, I've found you, I'm talking to you, it's on, I'm with you, your latter will be greater than your past. And then one last thing, I... I uh, Oh, the, the white feathers have been ridiculous as well. Some of you know about that story, but um, I walked in here on, we had a leaders meeting. We were talking about some of these things on Thursday morning with the leaders. And I walked in here, and this, this will seem strange to you, but it wasn't to me. I smelt something. Um, it was a smell I've not smelt in this building for, well, probably since almost since we first moved in. And it wasn't the smell of roses and, you know. It's actually a very, very specific and particular smell that oak has in a building in a particular environment. I have not, I have not smelt that since the first time I ever walked into this building, which is over 40 years ago. And uh, Thursday, I walked, I walked through this passage in here and all of a sudden you say, well, what, why is that important? It's the awareness that was important. It's the sense of this business of something new is going on. Something fresh is happening. God is with us. God is here. God is with you. God is speaking. And if we take the time in our own hearts to be willing to connect and willing to tune in, that you're going to hear this voice, you're going to see these images because God is interested in you. Open his eyes that he may see, Elisha said, and the servant's eyes were open and suddenly he didn't see what he had always been aware of, he saw what he had not been aware of, but had been there all the time. In your life, there's stuff you are aware of but the good news is there's stuff you're not aware of and been there all the time. It's the presence of God. It's the spirit of God. It's the power of God. It's the kindness of God. It's the transformation strength that flows from the heart of God for your life that doesn't activate informationally. It activates relationally. And all I'm asking you tonight is to be willing to tune in, to switch on, to connect just like your phone, just like your computer, just like your TV, just like your radio, to connect and say, God, I know you're there. I know your spirit is all around. 
I know you fill the whole earth with your presence and with your glory. But at this moment, I'm not seeing it. At this moment, I'm not hearing it. So open my eyes that I can see. Open my ears that I can hear. How many of you know when that happens, suddenly you're living in a dimension that makes heaven and earth one? And that was always God's desire, that heaven and earth would be one. As in heaven, so in earth. I believe we're moving there as a house and I invite you on that journey and ask you to walk with us. I'm trying to bring you along. But I also want you to experience that personally yourself. Elisha might have been the prophet, called by God, gifted by God, but isn't it wonderful that his little old servant there who was just the one who washed his hands and folded his stuff also got the same revelation, also heard the same voice, also saw the same things. It's for you tonight, it's for your heart, it's for your life. Let's just bow our heads. Thank you for being patient, listening to me. Let me speak that out. But I've only said this for one reason, not, not so you can be excited about the stories of some of the things that's happened to me, or even so that you can see what happened to Elisha's servant. I, I've said it because I, I want you to be in a place where it, it, it can, will happen to you because it can happen to you. So just open your heart right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. Just open your spirit. Just, just let there be a longing. You don't have to force anything, okay? That, that's why I told you I, I've been in this business too long now. That, that's why I asked God, you've got to make this so weird that, that I, couldn't, I couldn't manufacture this and pretend. It couldn't be, oh, I think I saw somebody who kind of slightly looks like somebody who possibly went to school. It can't be that kind of stuff. And I, and I don't want you to, to be looking for that kind of stuff or to feel you must manufacture something. I just want you in the quietness of your heart to be confident that God himself will speak to you. Now, remember he spoke to me in things that meant something to me and he'll speak to you in some things that mean something to you. God will speak to you in your language in ways that you understand because that's what he does. But when you hear his voice, when he touches your heart, transformation is on the way. Your latter will be greater than your past. All things are possible. So I'm going to pray right now. Just open your heart. Father, in this place tonight, I ask you to open people's eyes that they may see. To open ears that they may hear. So that what you are already saying and what you are already doing, unknown to each one of us, in your love and kindness will become seen and become known and become a revelation to the deepest part of our human hearts, causing heaven to touch earth. So that as in heaven, so in earth. Because I absolutely believe and declare over every life in here tonight that your bladder will be greater than your past. Don't let what you see determine what will be. What will be has to be determined by what he sees. And when you start seeing through him, you'll start seeing what he sees and not what you see. What you see will drain your faith. What he sees when you see that will build your faith and give you faith and author faith within you and mountains will move and situations will change and circumstances will stop dominating your existence because your latter will be greater than your past and you will be blessed more than you could ask. No matter what you see, 
no matter what you have observed, your latter will be greater than your past when you receive this and touch this in Jesus' name. And then all things, all things, all things are possible. I speak transformation to you tonight. I speak revelation to you tonight. I speak clarity into your spirit and into your heart that you will know and hear what God is saying to you and that it transforms absolutely, totally and completely everything in you and everything around you in Jesus' name. So Father, we receive, we thank you for your presence. Thank you that in this building right now, all around us, just like there are radio waves and Wi-Fi waves, you are here and your presence is here and your spirit is here. Help us to receive it now, to realize it's not in churches, in buildings where this happens, but the whole world is filled with your glory. And anywhere and everywhere we can hear this and see this. So only one thing I ask, Lord, you can speak to us weirdly, but help us not to get weird about what you speak to us because we have a tendency sometimes to do that and go all weird. We don't want to get weird. We just want to be, be a representation and manifestation of the truth of all that you're showing us so your kingdom will come and your will be done here on earth like it is in heaven that healing and help and strength and forgiveness and deliverance and change will touch our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. I hope I've not gone too long for you. I've gone as long as I needed to, and we're all right with that. Please pray for me. I, uh, I leave for Los Angeles tomorrow and then on to, on to Wagga Wagga, Australia on Monday to help the guys out there, uh, and then back into Texas and back. So I'll be back in a, a couple of weeks. But I'm asking you to be faithful and to be strong and to hang with the program and to be people of transition, okay? Right? You are people of transition, be it. Okay, be it, be encouraging to one another in Jesus' name. All right, we're done. Bless you.